What is at the root of all foot ulcers, vascular problems, and kidney disease for diabetes? What are the biological reasons for all of the diabetic complications? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Robert Stanton, Associate Professor of Medicine, Harvard Medical School. Dr. Stanton is both a scientist and a clinician in his roles as Principal Investigator in the Section of Vascular Cell Biology and as the Chief of Nephrology at the Joslin Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Stanton. Thank you very much. Today we are discussing the pathogenesis of diabetic complications. Dr. Stanton, what are the diabetic complications and how do they come about? So the main diabetic complications are the end organ problems that occur after having some years of diabetes. They principally involve the eyes, the cardiovascular system, the nerves, and the kidney primarily, but they can also involve the gastrointestinal tract as well. And the principal causes of these behind this is the high blood sugar primarily. And one of the most important aspects of this is the length of exposure to elevated blood sugars. What's very interesting is is that you know the day that you develop diabetes if you are a type 1 diabetic, but if you're a type 2 diabetic, which makes up 95% of the cases of diabetes, then you might have elevated blood sugars for a long period of time without knowing it because the blood sugars are not high enough to make you clearly sick. Yet what research for me, as well as many others, have shown is that even small elevations of blood sugar over a long period of time lead to damage that can lead to these complications. It is the high glucose levels in of themselves that affect these organs, or is this a polygenic process? You know, for years, it used to be thought of that high glucose might have just been a marker. And it was actually Elliot Jocelyn, who started the Jocelyn Diabetes Center 100 years ago, always thought it was the glucose. And it's really great being right, but it really wasn't proven until the DCCT study, which is a diabetes complications and control trial in type 1, and later a large study in type 2 done in England called the UKPDS. And in those trials, what they really clearly showed, it's the high glucose that is the principal problem in diabetes and is what sets off many of the complications. That doesn't mean that your genetic background isn't important because clearly type 2 diabetes, the original underlying cause of type 2 diabetes, appears to be strongly genetically based. It's not so clear in type 1 that's the case. But ongoing complications caused by the diabetes is in part related to genes, but it's probably mostly related to the high glucose effect on the cells themselves. Many years ago, there were some studies where patients controlled their glucose as best they could, and it seemed that they had just as significant complications with the end organs as patients who did not have as tight a control. Well, that actually, I'm not sure which study you're referring to at that moment, but clearly the DCCT and the UKPDS and many other trials have shown that if you reduce your blood sugar levels to near normal, the reduction in complications becomes rather dramatic, whether that's preventing primary development of the complications or if you really have the complication, the secondary progression of the complication. So in either case, almost all data recently has shown that controlling the blood sugar 
is the primary factor in, in the development of these complications. How does the sugar in of itself damage the cells and damage the organ? So the cells that are probably most susceptible in the body are the endothelial cells, the lining of the blood vessels. And in many sense, you can think of diabetes as an endothelial cell disease, because that's where the blood sugar has its access to, so that it's a one-cell layer thick of cells that is very important in the regulation of blood vessel function. It's the first line of defense, basically, for dealing with anything that's inside the blood vessel, which would include uh, increased triglycerides, cholesterol, blood pressure, all those sort of factors that affect the cells. And it also does a number of metabolic functions, including production of nitric oxide, which is a critical vasodilator that regulates blood pressure and many other metabolic functions. So this is a very critical cell that is responsible for health of these blood vessels. So now in the kidney and throughout the body and in the eyes, etc., when glucose levels start to rise, there are processes within the cell that change. And what's interesting was it was wondering why were certain cells more susceptible than others. For instance, diabetes is not particularly a liver disease one way or the other that anybody knows in that the liver is damaged. The liver actually plays critical roles in metabolism and dealing with your blood sugar levels and there's important roles it plays in regulating blood sugar, but the liver itself does not seem to be damaged. And it probably relates that these different cell types allow glucose to enter themselves more or less easily, as the case may be with expression of various glucose transporters. So susceptibility is different for different organs. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Robert Stanton, associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Stanton is both a scientist and clinical physician in his roles as principal investigator in the section on vascular cell biology and as the chief of nephrology at the Jocelyn Clinic. Today, we are discussing the pathogenesis of diabetic complications. Dr. Stanton, you were discussing the susceptibility of the cells to high glucose. Could you continue, please? So, yes, there's a really amazing amount of literature that's been developed over the last 10 to 15 years on what glucose does when it enters the cell to cause problems. And there are a number of processes that are now known to get activated just by exposing cells to high glucose. And these experiments have been done initially in isolated cells in cell culture, as well as then looking for the same findings within animal models and, in many cases, humans, in looking at various tissues. And they involve some major processes of change. I'll mention a few of these, and there also are some targeting right now to try to prevent some of these things from taking place. Now, is this the research that you are doing currently? The research I'm involved with involves one part of this, and uh, I can mention that as well in the context of this, although what I'm working on now has not been clinically used as such yet. But let me start with the other processes, and then I will mention my own in the midst of in these contexts. And clearly, it's probably a mixture of all these mechanisms. One thing that takes place when blood sugar levels rise, and this can be both outside the cell or inside the cell, is that the proteins can get an addition of a sugar molecule attached to it. And you can do this at home, actually. 
you can take a protein and mix it together with sugar and you will get a sugar-coated protein. And every Christmas, if you have a honey-glazed ham, that's what you're eating, <laughs> is one big sugar-coated protein. And that's the term is you call it an advanced glycation end product. But it turns out these sugar-coated proteins, of which we use one of which we it's called hemoglobin A1C that we use to actually monitor glucose control, but these advanced glycation end products have been shown to cause significant damage to cells. And so there's been much work trying to see if you can either prevent the production of these products or cause breakdown, and that work is ongoing. It's probably most effective at this point just to control your blood sugar to control these products, but there is a lot of work trying to see if you can break these sugar-coated proteins down. A second process uh, that's been studied and is also has in trial right now is an activation of a particular protein that adds a phosphate group to proteins. It's called a kinase. And this kinase, there are thousands of kinases in the cell that we study. This particular kinase is called protein kinase C, and there's one type of it called protein kinase C beta. And when people with high glucose, there's a significant increase in this protein kinase C beta. And this particular protein, when it phosphorylates a number of other proteins, leads to cell damage, can associate with kidney disease, eye disease, and there is a drug that's in trial right now around the world to see if it can be helpful in preventing these complications. And there's been some reasonable efficacy shown for eye disease, whether it works anywhere else remains to be seen. Another potential cause is sort of closer to my area, which is called oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is better known in the world as the world of oxidants or antioxidants and that people take like this, take like vitamin A or vitamin C. And oxidants are really poisonous forms of oxygen molecules. And oxygen can be, the word is reduced, but it slowly, as the oxygen becomes, works its way to become water, along the way, it can turn into things like hydrogen peroxide and what's called superoxide. And these are very highly reactive molecules that when they interact with proteins or lipids and other parts of the cell, they can lead to impairment of the function of these lipids. And so it's a critical not to overproduce these, and the body is actually set up to regulate these in multiple ways. They actually perform very important normal functions. It's when the functions get too carried away and you produce too many oxidants that it becomes a problem. This can be caused either by that the cells themselves overproduce it, or it can be caused because the mechanisms to detoxify these oxidants doesn't occur. What I work on actually is an enzyme that detoxifies these oxidants in its one form, and that's the enzyme glucose-6-phosphate dehydrogenase, which many of your listeners would probably know, if they know it, would be G6PD deficiency. And that's been noted for years to be it's just a causing hemolytic anemia or associated with malaria. And that's where most of the people have studied it for years. What my lab has shown is that this enzyme is actually a critical player in cell growth, and it's critical for normal cell survival in helping to prevent against cell death, especially from these oxidants. And that's because its product, called NADPH, is the 
critical intracellular antioxidant that keeps the whole antioxidant system, which is rather complex, in place. And it turns out in diabetes, at least in the cell culture and animal models we look at, and we see that this enzyme is impaired and leads to an impairment in the regulation of oxidants. So that's one of the mechanisms by which susceptibility to oxidant stress could occur. I want to thank Dr. Robert Stanton, who has been our guest. We've been discussing the pathogenesis of diabetic complications. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.